Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move by in here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Lead pass to Kemp Hill, running with episode three of the retro room here on the cruise control podcast you can follow me the host randy cruz on twitter at r-e-n-d-y the letter j c-r-u-z you can find this podcast on both soundcloud and itunes soundcloud.com slash cruise control podcast download rate comment subscribe to us on itunes got my man josh eberly from hoop magazine and NBA Canada on the show right now. You can find him on Twitter at Josh Eberly. He is also the host of the Hot Takes and Shot Fakes podcast, which you can find on SoundCloud and iTunes. Josh, my man, how you doing? Doing well, doing well, man. I mean, it's cold up here in Canada. Calgary's been freezing. It's been busy. I feel like this has been the works for a year and a half, but I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to get in, man. I'm ready. Hey, man. I know. You know, living here in New York, we had a, a little snowstorm um, early in the week. It was about maybe 25 degrees, but I know it's nothing compared to what you got going on in Calgary, my man. No, I mean it, it's cold. Like I, watching the Mavs, I mean it's fitting because we get to watch Dirk and Wade for maybe possibly the last time. We got right. that on the background as recorded right now. But you know, I see those Dallas jerseys, and I wish that I was heralding from Texas <laughs> and and not Alberta as I'm rubbing my hands right now in the house. You're a, a Maverick fan. Before we do anything else on, on this show, I want you to tell me how long have you been a Maverick fan, and kind of like what got you into out of all the teams in the NBA. What kind of got you to liking the Mavericks? Yeah. So everyone asks me this because, like, I've never even been to Dallas. Like, I've been through Houston a few times. I've never even stepped foot in Dallas, Dallas, Fort Worth, nothing close. Oh, wow. When I was younger, my so my mom has been a fan of my whole life. My mom made a trip through. And when I was, like, 9 or 10, I want to say, so, like, 99, 2000, like, the year they drafted Dirk, she brings me home a Dallas Mavericks T-shirt mm-hmm. and a Dallas Cowboys hoodie, and from that moment on, those were my teams. And man, like I was probably probably three more years or two more years before I even realized the Cowboys didn't play in the CFL. Like in my <laughs> mind, I'm like, oh yeah, the Dallas Cowboys and the Calgary Stampeders. I can't mm. wait to see that game. Like wow. it was a while before things really registered. Yeah, no, I mean that. So I guess ninety nine, two thousand, about there. Okay. Um. I mean, I mean, you did pick. A, I think you did pick a great time to become a math fan. I think they were. Um. I know I'll get more into it, but they were. You know, they got Dirk. Uh, they got Dirk on the roster. They were still two years away from being like a, a perennial uh, playoff team, and Dirk was 
I think two or three years away from being a perennial all-star. So your mom got you that shirt at the right time. Uh, for me, it's funny that I, I, I would say this story every time I do the show to give you context, but when you became a fan of the Mavs in 99, I became a fan of the Knicks in 99. So I was always a big-time Chicago Bull fan. I think everybody on the planet was during the, the, the Jordan era. And when they left, uh, I'm like – Shit, man, I I need a team. I don't like San Antonio and then Houston and me living in New York. I was never a Knicks fan of the older Ewing and Oakley era, but I was always a, a big Sprewell fan, and they made a trade for him, uh, for John Starks and a few other people, and he became a Nick in that lockout <clears throat> that lockout year. And I'm like, shit, there you go. I, I'm a, I, you know I'll be a Nick fan and see how it goes and. They made the finals that year. They made the conference finals the, the year after, the first round the year after that, and it's kind of been a downward spiral ever since. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you chose wrong, and like I, I'm oh, not man. trying to encourage Tell anyone to be a Spurs fan because who would want to do that? But you probably would have been a lot happier had you chose San Antonio um, rather than New York. It's crazy, man. Um, so we all talk about the Mavericks. You became a fan '99, the Dirk era. But before that, um, you know, me being a basketball fan, I, I'm, I'm assuming I'm older than you. I'm, I'm 35. So how old are you? 27. Okay, so yeah. I, I got eight years above you. So during that time, early 90s, my favorite point guard of all time is, is, is uh, Jason Kidd. And I did not see Magic in, in his era, obviously. I did not see Isaiah in his era, of course, is Gary Payton, John Stockton, but to me, J. Kidd just had the swag, this attitude that, you know, he was, you know, he did not have the greatest jump shot at all in the beginning, but he was a, a big-time floor general that made others better. And for me as a fan, you know, that kind of made me feel like, you know, he could be the best point guard of all time. I think he is in the top five. Um, that Maverick era with him, Jamal Mashburn and Jim Jackson, the Triple J's, the Three J's era. You know, I, I look back on it because it's an era where, you know, like now me and you can talk, in, you know, in retrospect, man, what if and what if they were together? And I know we had different things going on with those three guys and, you know, back to back to back drafts. The Mavericks draft uh, Jimmy Jackson in, in, in 92 at number four. They get Jamal Mashburn in 93 at number four. Then they get Jay Kidd in 94 at number two. He becomes a co-rookie of the year with Grant Hill. And then you get this era of just fast break and pretty much before the Warriors and Phoenix Suns, just an up and down um, young kind of team. And after a while, they couldn't get along. Some differences, you know, dating R&B singers and whatnot. And lo and behold, <laughs> <laughs> lo and behold, they all get traded. Allegedly. 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 Yeah. Quote unquote, yeah. allegedly some R&B issues, but then they get traded all in the same year. So um, what do you, if anything, what do you recall of that Triple J era? Do, you know, fans of the Mavs kind of bring it up now in retrospect to say, hey, you know, what if, if those three would have stayed together? Yeah, so here's the funny thing about this. And like long before Twitter existed, I was on NBA forums as a little kid mm -hmm. and, you know, probably talking just terrible, terrible trash. Have no idea what I'm talking about, to be honest, but like 9, 10, 11 on these boards. Right. And like old heads would always talk about Triple J range. And they would always talk about, you know, that team and what they could have done. Like, first of all, those boys didn't make the playoffs. Second of all, they didn't like each other. 
Third of all, like Jim Jackson went on to play for 11 teams, like 10 other teams after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Mashburn was obviously very good and Kidd was good. But like, I don't like clearly you don't get Nash. You don't get Dirk. If those guys stay together, that sure. was not going to be the situation. So I, I think it played out for the best. But I love hearing like old heads talk about that situation. And that just kind of tells you, like, for the most part, um, the Harper years, like the good years that the Mavs had early were gone. Mm-hmm. They were stuck in this rut. And I think, you know, the other thing, you know, being a Mavs fan, 99-2000, I got Dirk right when he started. But I also got Mark Cuban, who, you know, you can feel a million different ways about Mark Cuban, but he's one of the best owners in pro sports and that he cares True. and that he's passionate. He foots the bill. He, you know, stays out of the way of his people and trusts the people that he hires to do their jobs. Uh, I, I think I think I got pretty lucky. Um, as, as much fun as Triple J Ranch might have been to talk about for a few years in Dallas and on those boards, I, I, I'm not sad I missed a few lottery teams. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. You know, when you get Mark Cuban on your side and, uh, you know, an owner that wants to do everything and anything for his players, for uh, the people he works with, a new arena, and all the locker rooms look crazy and, you know, really hands-on. You know, his DNA is in the Mavericks um, organization where, you know, the, the the owner on my side with the Knicks is a different story and a lot of fans want him out and want him to, to sell the team because they felt like he was the reason why the teams weren't so good or even, uh, you know, so poor, um, poorly ran in, you know, in the last decade or so. So, you know, I would rather have Mark Cuban as my owner for my team than, you know, what we got over here with Jim Dolan. Oh, no, no doubt. I mean, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's negatives. We go there. But I mean, on a whole, mm. I think having Cuban as owner been blessing if you're a fan of the team, for sure. I, I think if J. Kidd, Mashburn and Jimmy Jackson would have stayed together again, they were together for what, maybe, I mean, together for like three years. And yeah, maybe, you know, Two, I think. maybe the early big three before any of these big three combinations we got um, in the last couple of years. So, again, it is in hindsight, and Jim Jackson did go to play for 11 teams. Mashburn, I think he made an all-star. I could be wrong, but I think I thought he had a pretty good career. J-Kid, champion, multiple-time all-star, uh, Olympian, all that good stuff. But you know, th- that is, to me, one of the major what-ifs of like a duo or a trio that got broken up too early. And again, like you said, if they don't break up, you don't get Dirk, you don't get Steve Nash, you don't get Michael Finley. So I'm guessing Mass fan would be in hindsight. Yeah, that was cool, but I'd rather have Dirk Nash and Finley than Jackson Mashburn and Jay Kidd. Oh, without a doubt, man. Like Finley's the guy that gets forgotten too. Like Finley was one of the guys like in my early days. Like I thought Michael Finley was on par with anybody, and obviously looking back, like that was some like major fan bias. But at the time, like in the early thousands, like Jordan had just left. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kobe hadn't been co- wasn't quite Kobe yet. Um, you know, he was still very much in Shaq's shadow. T Mac was hanging out. It was like Carter and and uh, Pierce a little bit maybe, and like I Ray seen- Allen, Shuttlesworth, but like. Finley was nice, man. He was the guy who yeah. just didn't get that credit. And I always remember, like, when he went to the Spurs, I was more, I was mad that more Mavs fans weren't mad. Like, I was, like, hurt. I was hurt that Finley went to San Antonio. And watching him win with them in 07, I mean, I'm skipping ahead because I know you want to do this chronologically, but, mm-hmm. like, that hurt. And, I mean, I got thoughts on, we should, I'll, I'll let you do your show. We got to go in order. But, like, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're talking <laughs> to Finn. I'm getting excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to kind of fast forward, um, do you know who Jimmy Jackson, Mashburn, and J. Kidd 
got traded for? Because we, we always say, oh, man, they got traded, you know, whatever. But do you, because <laughs> I have it right in front of me, would you like to hear who these three guys got traded for? Now, who came well, back to that team? I know Finley and Kidd got swapped were part of the deal, but I don't remember who Jackson and Mashburn went for. All right, so since you mentioned Jay Kidd, let's get right to it. Jason Kidd with Tony Dumas and Lauren Lauren Meyer, which I have no idea who that is, um, for San Cassell, AC Green, and Michael Finley. That was that was the the Jason Kidd trade to Phoenix. Yeah. Worked out well. Worked yeah, out well for yeah. I mean, you, you, you know, I guess, you know, I won't say the bigger name was Finley, but you know, I know San Cassell was still there, I, I'm assuming in his prime, two-time champion. But, you know, getting Michael Finley was a big-time get for you guys. Um, the Jim Jackson deal was a nine-player deal, which sounds crazy now. That primarily you don't normally get in today's NBA, very few. But it was Jim Jackson and Chris Gatling to New Jersey. Also, Sam Purcell, who was on that roster as well, George McLeod and Eric Montrose to New Jersey for Khalid Reeves, Robert Pack, and Ed O'Bannon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not good, but like, honestly, I, I can't even remember Sam Cassell suiting up for the Mavs. Like, he must have not been, I know must have just one season because I can't even remember Cassell dressing for Dallas. But I mean, yeah. Maybe. And I mean, that's the thing with Jackson, though, too, is like 10 other teams after that. It's like he had that one really great season in Dallas and just mm-hmm. never the same guy. Right. Then, of course, Monster Mash goes to Miami for Sasha Danilovich, Kurt Thomas, and Martin Murasep. Yeah, could have done better there. <laughs> yeah, you know, could have got a couple of second round picks and. You know, maybe, done maybe a late first rounder, <laughs> but hey, that was the NBA at that time. And um, again, that, you know, I'll probably do a show later on down the road of major what ifs of trios and duos if they would have stayed together. Um, fast forward your time, Dirk, 1999, you know, matter of fact, 98, he gets drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks. And um, him, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> Before that, your team drafts. Track the trailer at number six. Lo and behold, we get a deal between uh, Dallas and Milwaukee. Trailer goes to Milwaukee. Dirk and Pat Garrity at number 19 go to the Mavericks. So, lo and behold, you begin a, a, a 20-year career of one of the greatest power forwards ever, one of the greatest shooters in NBA history ever. And, um, uh, you know, again, a major what if... For the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, that if you have kept Dirk Nowitzki, a la like the Lakers when they traded Kobe Bryant, I'm sorry, the, the Hornets, you got to ask yourself, what if Milwaukee kept Dirk and what if Charlotte kept Kobe? I think that's a major what if for both franchises. Yeah, I mean, I, you could you could even throw that out as one of the most, like with hindsight available, one of the most lopsided trades ever. Like Dirk's one of the 25 you know, we'll say 20 to 30 best players to ever suit up. 21 years, the same franchise. They had 11 straight seasons of 50 plus wins. Like that, I mean, and, and, yeah. you know, rest in peace, Robert Tractor Trailer. But that, that trade looks very different for Milwaukee. A Milwaukee team, you know, that would have had Ray Allen too at the time. Um, Dirk and Ray would have been, would have been something. <laughs> that uh, franchise yeah. is very, very different if that doesn't, that trade doesn't go down. Wow. Yeah. 
You know what? Dirk Nowitzki and Ray Allen on the same team. Oh, man, with um, I think was was no not not Cassell at the time was Big Dog there at the time too. Yeah, Big Dog and Terrell Brandon. Terrell Brandon, oh. Big Dog, Dirk, and Ray Allen would have been like, I guess at that time the Big Four for the Bucks. I mean that, that hey, I don't know, man. I, I, you know, sometimes you think about well whether if he would have stayed or you know whatever, that would they have had the same career with that team that they got drafted by. It's it's, it's, it's you know it's a major what if, but um, his career with the Mavericks, man, was so dynamic and so different, and you know. Lo and behold, also with that trade, after they get Pat Garrity, they trade him to Phoenix for Steve Nash. I mean, you mentioned the lopsided trade for Dirk. You know, you go back and say who Steve Nash got traded for. You say Pat Garrity. And it's like, yo, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know what? Like, Nash just, people didn't even realize. The crazy thing about Nash is, like, people didn't realize who he was even in Dallas. So, like, that move gets made. And, you know, Mark Cuban has talked about a bunch of times how he regrets, like, letting Nash go. And, um, you know, he wishes he kept him and Dirk together. And I've watched an hour interview of Dirk and Nash talking about how, like, it was probably for the best because even though, like, Dirk's godfather and Nash's kids, they were best friends and they were able to relate to each other as guys that weren't from the States. Like, Nash obviously goes on to be a two-time MVP, Dirk's MVP and a champ. So, I mean, it worked out, but... Man, like no one really like even when Nash left, like I don't think Dallas knew they were letting that kind of a guy go. And he was 29, 30, something like that. And he mm-hmm. wasn't an MVP until he's 30 something years old. So, I mean, pretty late in the game for Nash to go from like all star to, you know, all world player. But it, it's a shame that Dallas didn't keep him because those would have been fun years. I mean, were you kind of shocked, you know, surprised that? The year after Steve Nash leaves the Mavericks, he becomes a, 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 a well, back-to-back MVP and, you know, puts himself in the All-Star game again and puts himself later on in the Hall of Fame. Like, did seeing a different Steve Nash do all that, not in a Maverick uniform, were you more like happy for the guy or more like, damn, man, how come you ain't do that here? No, like he was still good in Dallas. I mean, there's a conference final run with with Dirk and Nash before he even left. It 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 was tough for me too because I'm also Canadian and like up here at the time, you got people knew who Kobe was, they knew who Iverson was, they knew who Shaq was, and they knew who Nash was, and they didn't know a single other player in the NBA in 0405. Like they there is mm-hmm. no one like unless they were super. Oh, and Vince Carter. So those five, those are the only five guys the average fan up here knew about. And so like Nash leaving. You know, I was like, I, I kind of wanted people to be a Dallas fan with me. And then Nash left and then every Canadian that like casually cared about basketball went to the Suns. So that was disappointing. But that 05 season was weird because you expected to fall off. Like I expected to fall off losing Nash, mm-hmm. but the Mavs were still good. And they actually had won more games that year. And I really thought they were going to beat the Suns in the playoffs. But then, you know, Nash got the revenge series and worked well for him yeah. too. So, I mean... I, I wasn't. I was always like Phoenix was kind of my backup team from that point. Like wherever Nash was, was like, <laughs> I'm also root, rooting for you, Steve. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I would assume Phoenix kind of regretted traded trading Steve Nash all those years ago. That when he became a free agent, they I guess you know at the time did everything to to kind of get him back. Right? They had the they had a carousel though, right? Like they had 
in a five-year period or something like that, they had like Kevin Johnson, who was obviously their guy for a while. They had Jason mm-hmm. Kidd. They had Steve Nash. All three of them, I think, were on the team at one point. Mm-hmm. And then they also had Penny Hardaway, like trying to make the the redemption tour in Phoenix, following Orlando. So like they had just a bevy of guards. And I think they 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 too, even more so than the Mavs, didn't realize what they had in Nash. But man, did he pay dividends when they got him back? Yeah, and 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 and, uh, and Marbury too. Oh, oh, yeah, they did have Marbury in there as well. See? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, they you were know, busy, man. <laughs> you know, like you said, the fact that Phoenix, even now, they, they, they tend to draft well with the guards, and they always they always have a log jam at the point guard. It's, you know, you mentioned Kidd, Nash, KJ, Marbury. Then you go into later years with, like the, you know, Goran Dragic and, you know, Brandon Knight and, uh, Isaiah Thomas, then it's Booker, then it's, it's a whole bunch of people. Like you guys how, draft how, really well, but you don't you, you, you don't keep them. You know, you mentioning Brandon Knight with Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, and Marbury and all this was man, that's disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying the log jam they had the point guard is like I, I guess he was doing pretty good at the time. Like they, they they always had a lot of guards at the same time on the roster. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, and, and honestly, being a Mavs fan with a soft spot for Phoenix, 05, 06, 07, 08, 09, mm-hmm. those were good years, man. Like, I one of my favorite games ever, and I want to say it was 06, but it might, be, it might have been 07 or 08 or something. But, like, in that section, it was, like, Phoenix and Dallas, and it was, like, a double overtime game, like 140 to 135. Suns ended yeah. up winning it. But Dirk had, like, 40 uh, Jerry Stackhouse came off the bench, went for like 35. Nash had like 30 and 15. Amari was going nuts. It was like a sick game, man. Like they had some, they had a quality rivalry for a few years there. I, I'm looking it up now, but I'm, I'm thinking you're talking about. Again, I could be wrong. I think you're talking about the 2006 Western Conference Finals. I, I think. No, it was a regular season oh, game. Regular season, okay. But it so. That's a th- in the conference. Fi- I really thought the year that Dallas went to the finals, which like I don't know if we're here in your in your game plan, but like the year that the Mavericks went to the finals. So I thought the Mavs were going to beat the Suns in 05, and they lost. And then I thought the Suns were going to beat the Mavs in 06. And I was like ready, man. I was on uh, a pretty competitive basketball team, and all the guys were giving me a hard time, like I because they all wanted Phoenix and Nash to win. I'm like, nah, like it's going to be okay. I guess if the Suns win, I can still cheer for Nash. I thought they were going to win that series, but you got to remember that 06 year that Nash won that MVP. Noah Mare, all year, they still went to the conference finals. If Amare's healthy, those 06 Suns probably win the title. Instead, the Mavis bust through, and it it was a staple year. And then, I mean, you'll probably drag me into the Dwayne Wade 06 Mm. final series. But up until that moment, it was hype as a Mavs fan. Big, big hype. So to kind of backtrack a little bit, where does Dirk stand for you and your all-time favorites? Is he top five? Is he he top ten? Where does Dirk rank for you personally? Uh, He won. Uh, one oh, without okay. a doubt. It's <laughs> okay. it's Dirk one. It's Vince Carter two. It's mm. Steve Nash three. It's Gilbert Arenas four, and it's LeBron James five. Those are my five favorite players. Here. Wow, Hibachi in the top five, huh? Oh man, Gil Gil was so nasty. Gil Very. Gil was too nasty. Agent Very. Zero was too fierce, man. Too fierce. Oh man, I, Gilbert Arenas, man. When he, uh, I want to say in that maybe oh five oh six oh seven range. You know, the playoff battles with um, LeBron, the Cavaliers, him going and getting 60 in um in L.A. Vince Cope. 
Vince Cobb. You know, then mm. you know him, Larry Hughes, Antoine Jameson on the same, uh, and also um, Karam Butler. So the Wizards, at, at some point, you know, if you just say, hey, you know, who do you have in the Final Four of the, of the East or the Conference Finals? Many times during during that era, you kind of had to say the Wizards. Yeah. Oh, man, they were so fun. Like the Wizards were the hipster NBA team before we had hipster NBA teams. Like they were the Denver Nuggets of 15 years ago, man. Mm. Like though, and even Deshaun Stevenson, man. Like Deshaun Stevenson was one of my favorite role players ever. Ended up getting that ring with Dallas in 2011. But like the way that he went at LeBron, clearly being such an inferior player, but just like courageous. And like I still like I still play D. In beer league, like Deshaun used to play, like when you're off ball, just resting your head on his shoulder, putting your weight on the guy, doing everything you can, just tick him off, man. Like he was so much fun. Mm. Gil, Gil could just light up. And Gil was like Dion Waiter's showmanship in the playoffs a few years ago with Oklahoma City, but like Damian Lillard's skill set. And it was just an unreal. It was unreal theater to watch Gil go for 40 because he let you know every time he did anything nice. Like It honestly felt like a spectacle every time that guy went off. So Dirk Davisky is your favorite player of all time, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, and sir. then you have him, Vince, Steve Nash, Gilbert, and LeBron in your top five all time. Indeed, man, okay. it's it's gonna be sad. I only got a few years left to ride at this ride this hour, and it's done. Dirk is gonna be out of here. Vince may have another year. Um, Nash is retired, Hall of Famer. Gilbert, he just retired, whatever. And LeBron, <laughs> LeBron's gonna be another guy that everybody's everybody can't wait to have him lose. But when he said, "Hey, man, this, this is my 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 my, my go around year." Oh, come on, man. One more year. No, come on, LeBron. You know, one more year. And that's when they start to miss you. Same with, same with Kobe. It was a, a, a big-time love-hate rapport with, with Kobe. <laughs> but when he said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retire, everybody felt sad. Like, oh, man. Or, or you just kind of realized you're getting old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't miss. I don't miss Kobe. <laughs> I don't miss Pop Pierce. I don't know, man. Like, I'm one of those fans where, like, I, I had guys that I, I, I loved and guys I didn't love, and, like, I didn't really love Kobe Pierce. Didn't love him like that. Didn't didn't love him okay. like that. Cool. Josh, don't love you like that. Cool. Josh, first of all, no no Kobe slander allowed <laughs> on the show. You can't tell me I mentioned Brandon Knight in the same breath of JK, and that's disrespectful. That's disrespectful <laughs> to say I don't care about Kobe Bryant. Uh, you know, I didn't say I don't care about him. Uh, he he's great. I'm not taking another away from him, but I don't miss him. I don't miss. <laughs> oh, you don't miss the Kobe him, Shaq huh? Lakers either. Like having yeah. Kobe Shaq Lakers were kind of like the Warriors. The Warriors are actually worse. The Warriors are are a better team, and their their grip on the league is tighter. But being a, a Western Conference fan of any team during the Lakers Kobe Shaq era was not fun. It was oh because was yeah because no wonder I get it, Josh. Because it, it wasn't the Mavericks that gave up. 62 to Kobe <laughs> in three quarters. Yeah, now now it all makes sense, bro. Now it all makes sense. <laughs> that, yeah, was was that was your team. That was your team. You just knew too, like you knew as a Mavs fan, you're like, if we get matched up with the, we can win 50, we can win 55, we can win 60. But if we get <laughs> yeah, yeah. matched up with, with the Lakers, mm. Dirk can't play center because Shaq's going to eat him. And Eric Dampierre was always playing for that next contract. So we can't, yeah. can't count on Damp. So you just you just were always hoping you didn't get the same side of the conference as them, and then you know the Spurs and other good teams slapped Dallas around a few times yeah. anyway. 
But uh, but yeah, you didn't want to see the Lakers, and the Lakers were just this ominous figure, like the Warriors now. Honestly, they're just this feeling like they're gonna win. You know? Yeah, I think that was the first year you guys came up with some brand new uniforms. I I forgot who made it. Um, uh, could be a rapper, entertainer, something. Somebody they had their their own involvement with those uh, green, blue, and white uniforms. I forgot who made it, but um, are you are you more of a fan of? Well, it kind of came before you. No. Are you more of a fan, you know, of the new logo they have with the horse, or are you more of a old school with the M with the with the cowboy hat? M in the hat, M in the ball, M in the hat, or M in the ball. And like I, that that blue, white, and green stitched, I still got it in my closet right now. I got the forty one <laughs> in my closet. I used to have a Josh Howard one as well, and he I got a Jim Bang stolen, so it's gone. He was That's good a, too. In 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 the states, you guys don't ball in jerseys, but in Canada, we ball in jerseys. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like. That one, another one in my bag, Jim Bay got swiped, and I'm like, man, Josh Howard. No one's going to know how diehard I was because they don't even – whoever stole that was like, who the hell is, is <laughs> Josh Howard? Who is five on Dallas? Yeah, man. I think for me, when it comes to the, the old school retro, I mean, I'm a big nostalgia uh, old school retro uh, NBA guy anyway. But when you look back and trying to see the kind of old school throwback logos that you wouldn't mind seeing coming back today – the Mavericks with the M, the ball, and the hat could be cool to see, you know, like on those um, retro nights and you get the whole big court and bring back the old uh, Reunion Arena kind of look. But the new one with the horse, it's cool, but, it, it, you know, it's not the M, the ball, and the hat. No, it isn't. And the, the Mavericks looked cooler back then, too. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you man. know what, man? Like we've come full circle because I was in like Mavericks fan hibernation for the last few years, and now Luca and KP. I mean, we we're, we're coming back to good the good oh, times. Man. Are coming here. Here we go. Like here I'm popping go. my head out of the dirt, out of the trench, just a little. When you know you you know watching the NBA, watching Dirk and the Mavericks. When did you feel the point where Dirk kind of took himself to an elite level? Took himself to. Uh, bringing his team to the playoffs all the time, being that perennial all-star. At what point was it a game? Was it a series? A particular year you remember that? All right, now this this is the Dirk Nowitzki that they that they traded for on draft night because they saw his potential. What elevated him to that elite status? That's a that's a good cue. I mean, so like I don't think anyone knew. Like the Mavs will say they knew. The Mavs will tell you like. I don't know. Like they, they had an idea he was going to be good, but they didn't know he was going to be that good. I'd say there's a couple moments. The first one would be 0-2. Um, you know, Kevin Garnett was obviously one of the best players in the league, one of the best trash talkers. There was an old ad or like highlight that used to run up on the score network, you know, no longer around sadly, but they did a good job covering ball when I was younger in Canada where he was just like yelling at the camera and, and the Mavs played the Timberwolves in, in a series. I think it was a first round series because it's only, yeah, it was when there were still three games and dirt just fed KG buckets. Like he just fed, fed him buckets like it didn't matter how much trash kg talked what he was doing like dirk was going for 30 and all of those games just eating them and then the the wolves didn't get a game but the Mavs were a better team but like you just kind of knew like the fact that dirk could embarrass a guy like garnett like that on on you know in the playoffs in the big stage he was special but i think it was wasn't until 06 and honestly the, the the sweetest series is obviously the 2011 title for most fans, I would say for me, 
It's 06, second round versus San Antonio, winning that one in game seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's number one. Number two is beating the Lakers in the second round in 2011. Bye-bye, Kobe, getting swept. Andrew Bynum <laughs> cry, cry shoving J.J. Barea as they get swept out of place. Mm. Um, and then number three is that championship against Miami. But, that man, that series versus San Antonio in 06 was – that was the moment where I was like, man, like Dunk, Dirk's not soft. He's not as bad on D as you say. He isn't just an all-star. He's not just the greatest big big man shooter ever. This guy is a superstar going head-to-head with Tim Duncan, you know, taking it to the Spurs, winning that game seven, man. And that, like, that was pretty much gravy. Like, honestly, I, at that time, like I said, I didn't think they were beating the Suns in the next round, and I was still happy. I was like, man, beating their rival, beating beating San Antonio, going head-to-head with Duncan. Like, I was like, Dirk is, is the truth at that point. I think for me... And I, I would love for you to go back and um, and check it out. But for me, I think it was the two, you know, you you, you know, you mentioned 02. I, I'll tell you, I mentioned 01. Um, they had the first round playoffs against the Utah Jazz. I forgot what seed they both were. Maybe four or five. Uh, wasn't that much of a difference. But uh, the Mavericks were down, if I'm correct, they were down 02 in that series. And everybody counted them out and... You know, everybody would talk about San Antonio, Lakers. In that time, you know, Lakers were trying to go for the for the uh, back-to-back. And they were down 0-2. And they, they get, they, they get three, uh, games three and four at home. And then they win a pivotal game five on the road in, in, in Utah. And then they go on to, I think they go on to play, I think they play the Lakers, if, if I'm not mistaken. Or, or San Antonio. They, they, they play San Antonio. Um, so, for me... That series right there, for those who don't know, down 0-2, first-round series, back then when it was a five-game series, they took Utah to, uh, to the limit. They won game five in Utah, go on to round two. And then from that point on, Josh, you just saw the Mavericks, every playoffs, top two, top three seed. And from that point on, I, I felt that's where Dirk kind of took his that next-level step to becoming a perennial all-star and eventual champion. Yeah, and, and I mean, there was so much bogus with Dirk. Like, you, you you think about Luka now, like 15 years later, and there's still, you know, college basketball writers who write garbage, like, you know, typical. I found something about Dirk, man, two weeks ago, and it was written about Dirk in his sophomore season, and it was an ESPN writer whose name I don't remember, or I would throw them under the bus happily, and it was like, Dirk is exactly what you'd expect, soft, skilled, typical European and I'm, you know, that, that was the mentality, and Dirk carried a lot of that garbage, a lot of his career, and the first year of his career where he had a legitimate center, a legitimate center who could guard fives and actually, you know, play to to, to Dirk's strengths and weaknesses. They won the championship. So, I mean, it got really irritating being a Mass fan in the thousands, hearing about how like the difference between Dirk and Garnett was defense, but Dirk's teams were better every single year. Like. It got old. Duncan was obviously special and the Spurs and Pop and the help he had there. But man, no one, I, I mean, there are what, eight players in, in the history of the NBA who can say they had the, the success that Dirk had with one team. Like He got underrated for a long time until he won that ring in 2011. And then I finally felt like people started to give him due. But until that time, there was a lot of crappy rhetoric about him. Do you feel like the era between um, Dirk, Steve Nash, and Michael Finley 
got broken up too soon. I know we mentioned J Kid, Mashburn, and Jimmy Jackson, you know, almost a half hour ago, and they got broken up a little too quick because of whatever reasons. But do you feel like, you know, with the success that Dirk, Nash, and Philly had together, that um, was it too soon? Do you feel like it was the right time? Cause I think I think Nash was the first domino to go to go to Phoenix, but. Are you more like, man, if we had just one or two more years? Because right after that, um, Dallas made the finals in 06, so it wasn't that far removed, and Nash became a two-time MVP. So do you feel like the Nash-Dirk-Finley trio uh, ran its course and, and deserved to be broken up at that time? Do you feel like it, it, that it could have gone on a little longer? Yeah, like Nash and Dirk have talked about how they don't know if, if Dallas wins the title together and they play different styles of ball. But like... You can't convince me that a Steve Nash pick and pop or Steve Nash running the break and then hitting Dirk as a trailer. I mean, they would have made it work. They were talented enough. I think they probably could have won a ring together. But I don't hate it. And honestly, some of my favorite years as a Mass fan were, were after Nash. Like 06 and 07 prior to that. The Warriors series hurt more. You, the Warriors series in 07 after they won 67 and Dirk had the MVP coming, them losing to the Warriors in the first round hurt more than any other series for sure. But, like, Jerry Stackhouse was a ton of fun. He wouldn't have been there if not for that situation. I really loved watching Jerry Stackhouse's Mads ears. Josh Howard was a great pick, played some good ball for them. Obviously, Jet, Jason Terry. So those years that followed, the Nash-Finley, yeah, like maybe, maybe you I – don't, I don't know if it, the, it had ran its course. Like, I think they could have been successful together. But no, I'm, I'm not disappointed by what the Mads put together, you know, the four or five years after they lost Nash, for sure. You mentioned 0-2, and I think um – one, I, I, they lost, but I think one of the most fun series that I remember was that 0-2 second round against Sacramento. Um, and Sacramento is a whole different show for a whole different time, but <laughs> that was a fun series back and forth. I remember it was, you know, two up um, in the series and, you know, the Mavericks just trying to get over that hump. And, it, you know, it was, to me, it was Sacramento's year. With Bibby, with C. Webb, and Stojakovic, and Vladi, and Doug Christian, the Mavericks could not get over that hump. They did later on, but to me, as a fun series to watch, if, if nobody ha- has seen it, it, it you know it would be that Sacramento Mavericks from 2 second round. Uh, you know, like the, the, it's kind of what you said. I mean, like the the Kings. It felt like they were the better team. Dirk might have been the best player in that series. Like Dirk was was coming. Mm-hmm. And C Webb never got that. Like C Webb was was big, nice. He was, and the way he moved the ball, and I think they, you know, some people have compared Jokic to him today a little bit. I, I think that is fitting in some ways, but like that that Kings team was legitimately good, and obviously that you could do a whole pod with a Kings guy mm-hmm. and what happened in that area and if they felt cheated or not. But it, it it's a shame that 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 Kings team didn't get one because they were a lot of fun too, and I know that was that was the golden age for their squad. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. The Mavericks won one game in that series. But still, very entertaining. So those who haven't seen it, Sacramento-Dallas from 2 But um, I did want to ask you, going backtrack a little bit, you know, Dirk comes out in, in the, the 98 draft with a whole bunch of other dope players. You know, some like Mike Bibby, Paul Pierce, uh, White Chocolate, Vince Carter, Vince Carter. <laughs> Antoine Jameson, Bonzi Wells, Rashad Lewis, Larry Hughes. We go on and on. Do you feel like that, yes, deservingly so, a lot of people mentioned the 96 draft and the 03 draft and, of course, you know, 1984. But do you think 
that the 1998 draft gets overlooked or is it, that it is underrated compared to those other drafts everybody seems to love so much? Yeah, like I, I mean, it's not 98's not 96 or 03. Like it just doesn't have the same level of players or 84. But it, it's up there, man. It's up with like what was the year that was it Reggie Miller, Ewing, and, and Pippen in '87 together? Like yeah. it's probably in that second tier. And the the '98 class had depth, man. Like Tyrone Liu, Rafer Alston, uh, Ruben Patterson, Rafer French, Michael Olo Candy, who was the first pick, was a decent player for a few years. Like that that was a good draft. Um, even like I'm looking at it now, I talked about Richard Lewis in the second round was. Yeah. Sick man, Richard Lewis in, in those in those years where I think I was probably the most passionate fan of Dallas in, in between like '04 and probably 2011. Mm. Um, and, and Ray were and Vlad Rad in Seattle were so much fun. Vlad Rad so too. Yeah, yeah, Vlad Rad. Vlad Vlad Rad is a throwback name. You you just threw at me right now. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I remember Vlad Rad for two reasons, man. Because in, in NBA Live 05, he had a mean three ball. And if I couldn't play with Dirk, I wanted the other tall white guy that could bang threes. And Vlad could bang threes. And uh, he, like, hurt himself snowboarding or something. And the Lakers, uh, he, like, he took a day off, told the Lakers he was sick, and ended up, like, getting a serious injury, like, snowboarding or skiing. I just remember mm-hmm. that being, like, a hilarious story at the time. I think um, – I think – the draft of 98 has to be like, again, this part of me being young, whatever, but I think maybe in the top five, of course, 84, you could throw in 87, 96, 03. And I think 98, man, you know, again, Dirk, Paul Pierce, Vince, two guys from that draft are still hooping today in Dirk and Vince Carter. And they're still going at it. You know, I think Dirk is going to retire this year, but, um, you know, Pierce, Jameson was tough. Al Hamilton, Skip to my Lou, White Chocolate, uh, he, he he won a ring. So I, I, I just think that sometimes, you know, fans forget about 98 uh, because it's not LeBron, it's not Carmelo, it's not D-Wade and Bosch, and it's not Jordan and Barkley, um, and it's not Kobe, Ray Allen, Steve Nash, and Iverson. I get it, but I just think sometimes it does get overlooked. And I think now when Dirk retires and when Vince goes – they, I bet you, I guarantee you, they're going to look back at that draft a whole lot. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's up there. Let me throw another one out there, though. Mm. 2009. It's going to, like, 10 years from now when you're doing this pod, we're going to talk about 2009. Harden, Curry, Griffin, DeRozan, Drew Holiday, mm. Uh, mm. Danny Green. I mean, it, this this class, the 09 class is going to be up there, too, a few years from now. Of course, and you can't forget the Knicks who they drafted. Jordan Hill? Was yeah. it Jordan Hill? <laughs> right <laughs> after, right yeah. after Stephen Curry. Yeah. Yeah. We were next. Yeah. <laughs> That's our luck. So so close. And yeah. th- and I remember that too because they actually wanted him. And it was Jay Billis or whoever was like, oh yeah, the Knicks are down. The Curry's their guy. And they were actually going to do it right and get the right guy. And then right yeah. before. Amen. But you know what? It, at least you didn't draft two point guards right in front of him. <laughs> shit happens man we we've had a pretty up and down more more down than up in the draft with the jordan hills and the mike's mike 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 sweetney's and trading for mcdice and he plays like probably less than a year so you know that's just typical nick stuff um you mentioned 06 finals with the with the miami heat uh very very interesting finals uh <laughs> more so because the mavericks were up again up 2-0 
and D Wade just has a, 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 a series for the ages that people still talk about. Um, 13 years later, averaging 35 in that finals, that he just kind of catapults himself into elite status. Um, does that? Uh, how much does that hurt you? And do you ever go back and figure out, like, man, like, what in the hell went wrong? We're up to O. We were winning the fourth quarter in Game Three. Shaq wasn't really Shaq at that time, and we just kind of let one guy take over. Okay, so I mean, I can't be objective about this series. I was young. Okay. I wasn't covering the league yet. I was a diehard Mavs fan, mm-hmm. and I'm watching some of these games on PVR because. I wasn't allowed to stay up that late sometimes. Like, and that—that's I couldn't even be sad because I was mad. I felt like the the Mavs got cheated. Mark Cuban comes out, thinks they got cheated, thought it was like some punishment for how he acted. Mm -hmm. And I pulled this up, knowing this would come up on the pod. This is a Bill Simmons column from a week before the finals in 2006. I'm going to read this paragraph. Bill Simmons, week before the finals. For Dallas, the thing to worry about is foul trouble. They have the right guys to guard Shaq and Wade, but you can't predict those games when all the calls start going Miami's way. And that's the thing that bothers me about this series. No team depends on the refs, quite like the Heat. When the refs are calling all the bumps on Shaq and protecting Wade on every drive, they're unstoppable. When they're calling everything fairly, they're eminently beatable. If they're not getting any calls, they're just about hopeless. I could see the refs swinging two games in Miami's favor during the series, possibly three. Mm. In fact, I'm already depressed about it and the series hasn't even started yet. He knew. He knew, <laughs> man. Like the, the fix was in. It was dirty. Like I, I could find the numbers again right now, but um, – yeah, I do. I think I have them. So the 06 finals, the Heat averaged 35 free throw attempts a game. The Mav, Mavs averaged 26. But Wade had like 68 or something over the last four games. It was just ridiculous, man. And honestly, even today, I wish that I could just be like lose with, with pride because Wade was awesome. But, man, it felt dirty at the time, and clearly I'm not over it. Clearly. I'm, I mean, I'm listen, man, it, it, can't be, it can't be dirtier than L.A., Sacramento. It can't be – "Quote unquote dirtier than L.A. and Portland 2000." And that's that's the myth. That's the urban legend out there that you know with the referees and in that series that we know about Tim Tim Donahue with Sacramento. But that that 06 finals with Dallas and and Miami, man, you guys are up 2-0. You're up big oh. in the third quarter, and this one guy flashed Dwayne Wade without you know Shaq being the you know the diesel. He just took over and said, "F that, I'm gonna." I'm gonna do me, and they won four in a row. Like, and they won Game Six in uh, in Dallas. So, I mean, do we have to go back and watch the entire series and see how the referees played out from Games Three, Four, Five, and Six? I don't know. I know as a fan, I'm like the Mavericks. Dallas just kind of choked and just crumbled. Ugh. And Ugh. at the same time, you're having a, a prolific experience where D Wade is getting 35 a game and. He becomes the you know the MVP and everything. So, um, it, it, you know it's a tale of again major what if. But then you guys do get you know you do get them back in five years later though. We do and okay. So here's the thing: like getting them back obviously takes some of this thing away. And I'm not gonna say like Wade was phenomenal in that series. Wade was unguardable. There was nothing they were trying to throw Howard on him, not happening. Try to go faster with Terry, not happening. Marquise Daniels kind of known for his defense at the time, not happening. Uh, you know, Wade, Wade was doing stuff to us. And again, not having a real center hurt. The song, good job. Eric Dampier, no go, no go. But, um, man, that that 
it was shady. Those last four games were shady. <laughs> the free throw disparity was too wild. It was too sick. You know, uh, 07 was worse, though, honestly. I, was, I mean, I was mad in 06. Uh. 07 was just the dumps, man. 07 was so sad. Uh, you know, you win 67. The Mavs, you know, they got to the finals the year before. Everyone's talking about – it's like that that year, like you have this beautiful relationship with your team. You love them. But no one else really gets it. But this is the year they got it because they were getting all the coverage. They were getting all the hype. And then the only team, the only team they didn't beat in the regular season, the only team that went undefeated against Dallas in the regular season happens to be the eight seed, we believe, uh, Golden State Warriors. And then Baron Davis, Stephen mm-hmm. Jackson, Matt Barnes, Al Harrington, those boys took it to him. And then watching Dirk give his MVP speech after they had lost the first round. Man, that, that year hurt. Like uh, – this is not like people don't know. I don't know how people people don't talk about this more, but Dirk literally went on like a spirit quest in Australia following that series. Like him and his mentor went down to Australia and they did like a spirit walk through like the Australian outback and like threw their cell phones in the shredder and tried to like reconnect with the earth and all that good stuff after that series. That's how devastating it was. Like it was so rough, so rough. 2011 was good and took a lot of the way that pain, but man. 07 was big hurts. Wow, man. Should I do that too with me being a Knicks fan for 20 years? <laughs> Have a spirit walk? Should no, I do that? No, you're never coming out of the, the outback. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. That's, that, that series, um, you know, I, I tweeted uh, months ago, you know, I, I'm a big NBA on, on, on NBC guy. And then, you know, when they went to you know, ABC and ESPN for the finals, uh, I did like a top. I think I think I think I did a top three NBA finals in the NBA. You know, ABC ESPN era, and for me at the time, I did have the Mavericks and the Heat from 06. Not so much 2011. I felt 06 was better. Um, now we get to 2011. Now it's a time where you have. This new big three, this new conglomerate of of, of super uh, superstardom. So it's not it's not just Wade. You get LeBron and you get Chris Bosh. They had a parade, or whatever, prior to the season. Not <laughs> one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not seven, whatever. They get you guys. And honestly, before game one, I know you're a fan, but did you feel like, oh man, we got this, we we good, or did you feel like, man, this this, this is gonna be tough? No, man, it was 06 all over again. Like, the high of the first three rounds was enough for me. Like, I I honestly was like, you know what? No one's beaten the Heat this year. You know, they, they forged this super team. It's crap. It's crapola. It's garbage. LeBron's a coward. Dwayne Wade needs help. You know, <laughs> all this junk. Like, I was ready. I had every excuse in the book lined up for why we couldn't win that series. But then they did. <laughs> But but that and man that year was special because like in the, I think the ESPN panels they do like fifteen experts picked to get the series beforehand right like six of them had picked Portland over Dallas in the first round and Dallas was the higher seed so it was like no one expected anything they'd had a bunch of first round outs like the Mellow Nuggets had knocked them out the Paul Hornets you know since that 06 run and that 07 knockoff like the Mavs hadn't been special. And then, you know, they beat Portland and they looked okay. And then they came out and they clubbed Los Angeles, man. And, and like, that was such a high. Like, after Kobe and the Lakers running the West for so long and then getting two more with Powell and, like, to be the team that stopped the Lakers three-peat, that was awesome. 
Then they go in, and no one had them winning that series against the Lakers. Nobody. Nobody. Not a single person. And then they go in against the Thunder, and a couple people have Dallas, but most people are like, you know, Dallas is old. This is Durant's going to be Durant's league. They're they're younger. They're more athletic. Serge Ibaka is the perfect guy to guard Dirk. Dirk goes back-to-back for 40-point games, just hammers them. And then I was good. I was like, you know what? This has been awesome. I didn't expect this run. The, the Heat are a cheat code. I'm okay if we lose the series. And then you know what, man? Dwayne Wade and LeBron, they, they made fun of Dirk's cough, and what happened? What happened? <laughs> they lost. No, they lost. They lost. They lost. And then Mark Cuban, I had my desktop photo for like two years after that, was Mark Cuban in the urinal at LIV holding the Larry O'Brien trophy as he uh, took care of some business. And <laughs> I swear to you. I swear. I have um, that night. They won game six. I bought the Sports Illustrated uh, T-shirt, hat, DVD package. I've never opened the DVD. I'm going to watch all their coverage of the playoff run uh, 10 years from the day. So – 2021. So you, you as a math fan, you you've never been to any of the NBA Finals games, right? I have not. I have not. I was at Game Two in Miami because uh, my uncle lives there, and, and I mean, it was it, the, the tickets at that time, Josh. To be, it wasn't that bad. I sat all the way up up top by like Tim Hardaway's banner and shit. But <laughs> I'm like, hey, I, I'm at the I'm at the NBA Finals, and yeah. Yeah. To see LeBron, Bosh, and Wade, and Dirk, and you know my my point guard Jay Kidd, I'm like, this this gonna be good. And that game two, which I I now I have to watch, you know that was the turning point. And I know Miami was up two one later on, but that turning point in game two was like, you know, you're like four minutes away from being down 0-2, and everybody's you know gonna going to write you off and say LeBron, Bosh, and Wade got you. This this is the wave now. But game two, they tied it up. I, f- I think it was an overtime, if if, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But I was there, and bro, when the game was over, the crowd just went silent, and it's like you kind of felt you kind of felt the momentum changing in uh, in Miami in that arena to say, all right, now we got a series, and eventually they did beat them. But I tell you, man, you know, watching the NBA for so long and seeing how LeBron just kind of changed from games four five and six and he just couldn't couldn't figure it out and i don't know if the mavericks were doing something to him playing extra defense or he just wasn't on the mavericks got to him with the likes of you know sean marion and jake terry and you know jake kid uh, i mean dirk was like the the real the main star at the time on that on that roster yeah yeah they had some good role players but one star against three stars and they win is gonna go down as one one of those finals where you did not really expect that to happen aside from like Detroit and LA from like 04. No, yeah, I mean it's the 04 Pistons and it's the 2011 Mass for sure. That like two of the bigger bigger upsets I can think of. Obviously the Cavs actually in in, in 2016 too come from three one now, but but like you know they still had you know LeBron and like this was an older Dirk. This was a 33 year old Dirk Nowitzki man, and like Terry had a great series. But you know what? I, I hate too that people were like, oh LeBron just choked. LeBron didn't just choke, man. Like Rick Carlisle is one of the best coaches in the NBA, and they had the best defenders to guard him man like jason kidd always played up size wise they played zone and the perimeter of jason kidd deshaun stevenson and sean marion tricks matrix getting that ring too people forget like 
they made it hard on him, man, and they just dared Wade to beat him. They're like, we're going to double you anytime you get the ball. You're going to either have to shoot a three, which LeBron couldn't do at the time. He was not a good three-point shooter, and or or you got to kick it to Wade. And so like Wade went for his 35, and they let it happen, and then, and then they stalled LeBron. And like, yeah, maybe it wasn't LeBron's best finals performance ever, but that was a beauty game plan, and it worked to a T. And I mean, it, <laughs> it was nice because I, I came home that night, and I was bartending. And I, I got home and I, I didn't know the result. I was telling everyone online, like, don't talk to me about it. Don't talk to me about it. I hadn't even checked my phone. Mm. I, like, you know, turn on the PVR. And I'm like literally watching this at like one in the morning, three in the morning. I don't even know when I finished it. And just like, man, it was so, so sweet. So, so sweet. Yeah, man. T- again, I, I think that's a finals where we can go back and try to, you know, you kind of dissect what the hell happened to LeBron and, in the heat, and they they I guess they were stacked to a degree because you know their bench wasn't all that great, um, aside from the big three. And I think it was it, it, it for me as a fan of Jay Kidd, it felt great to see him win a championship. I even had him on the. It's funny how I had him on the I had him on my old podcast, in the of, of March of that year, and this is you know you know prior to the playoffs and everything and. He gave me like a whole hour on the show, and he 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 had to play against the Portland Trailblazers the following night. And I think I kind of asked him like, "What if the, you know you, you uh, if you win a ring and stuff like that?" I think he said it was something like it, it'll be his greatest accomplishment in the NBA. And for me to have him on have him have him on the show, and then months later become a champion, it just like because having that ring puts you in a different echelon where you know yeah you, you're great like, you, you know you're Nash and you're Barkley you're great but you're not Jay Kidd because you got a ring you're not Dirk because he, you know he has a ring and you know that puts him in a different uh, atmosphere also with Dirk who I think is one of the greatest power forwards of all time I think he you know him and Rasheed Wallace at the four were the, were, were the forefront guys who were power forwards and made themselves become a stretch four took themselves to the three-point line, not your traditional back-down-to-the-basket post-up kind of guy. Dirk and Rasheed did that. You know, they elevated that in, in that era. And I think, to me, you know, it'll be sad to see Dirk go. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does going forward, whether he stays with the front office or, on, you know, on the team, just a guy that, that works out in practice. I think I think he'll, he'll, he'll stay around, but... I know he's your guy. Twenty years, man. Um, when that game finally happens, that he, that you know, that that's his final game. What you gonna do, man? <laughs> what yeah, you gonna man. Do? Like, I don't know. Like, everyone, you know, I, all the memes and stuff on social media. But like, uh, I'm not crying in club or all the things that people posted. Kobe. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think it might come to it. Like, you know, like if he says this is it. And I, you know what? He hasn't said that hundred fish, hundred percent. Like if he wants to come back True. next year, he can. But man, if he if he does, it'll be it'll be tough, man. It'll be tough to see him go. And uh, hopefully, he is involved with the team forever because he's the greatest guy too, man. Whether it's like his charity baseball games in the off season or the stuff he does for the kids in Dallas and the fans and like nicest, funniest, most down to earth star. Uh, you know, people don't want to talk about loyalty in sports, whatever, man. Bullshit. Like, one of the lo- most loyal stars of all time. Mm. Stuck with that franchise thick and thin. Real relationship with ownership. You know, gave that franchise everything. Won the ring. Gave him 12 years of All-Stars. Gave him 12 seasons of 50, you know. There, there's nothing else he could give that that team. And, 
you know, to see him as a gangly, tall teenager playing in the NBA against athletes like Kevin Garnett and Shaq and, and like, you know, matching some of those guys in the conference, passing Shaq on the all-time scoring list. Like, wow. Like, go look at a photo of rookie Dirk and, and, and try to imagine at the time thinking this guy's going to pass Shaquille O'Neal in, in points. It, it, there's nothing you can say, man. There's nothing you can say. He's all-time, all-time. Do you have um, – can you tell me Dirk's greatest game or – your personal greatest game for Dirk. <sighs> greatest game for Dirk. Man, his first ever triple double, just a regular season game. Mm-hmm. Was cool. <laughs> it was cool. That yeah, was before yeah. triple doubles were bastardized. Like that was like <laughs> triple doubles were not a thing. If you weren't J Kid, uh, you, you you didn't just get triple doubles. Like uh, maybe Andre Miller could get one one a year, but like that's it. And so Kid get, or Dirk getting his first triple double was cool. Um, I think it was game two in that Minnesota series. I was talking about 2 He went for like 45 or something against KG. Mm-hmm. That'd probably be up there. Um, I want to say maybe, maybe, maybe even the the two games back to back against OKC in the conference finals, just because of like how much. Com- the, the, I don't know if you remember this, but like I don't even remember who started it. Someone in the media was like, "Nick Collison is the Dirk Nowitzki stopper, and Serge Ibaka is so talented and athletic defensively. They're going to make life hard for him." But like I don't know, I remember making fun of like the Nick Collison stopper thing for years after he went back for back for forty. So probably probably those four or five would be be the moments. Um, off the top of my head, I would have to say because I'm I'm looking at it right now, I would have to say the game seven against San Antonio 06. I think you know him having thirty seven and fifteen on the road game seven trying to go to the uh, conference finals. Um, was a big game for him because you know again you 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 take down the defending champions and uh, I respect San Antonio but at the at the same time I'm like man can can I get something different I'm not a San Antonio fan they're kind of boring I love Tim Duncan though but seeing the Mavericks and the Suns go at it will be kind of juicy kind of fun so I think getting that 37 and 15 in Game Seven on the road in Game Seven um, for me will be like a top five game for him. You know what? Like the funny thing about that 06 series, right? Is like you've been talking a lot about Kid on this pod, and he's your guy. And mm-hmm. Like I was never a super Kid fan, and the way that Devin Harris played Tony Parker in that series against San Antonio, I know he wasn't very good in Game Seven. I don't remember five points, six points, something like that. I remember he had a, a stinker, but like the way he stuck with Parker <coughs> in the open court and was able to like you know match him point for points at some points in that series. I remember being disappointed. You know, I I thought they had something really special in Devin Harris following 06. And when they moved Harris for Jason Kidd, I was actually like kind of choked. I was like, we just messed up. Kidd's old. Devin Harris is going to be sick for a long time. Why would we do that? And I I was pretty I was pretty cheesed at the time. And like Devin Harris was nice in, in New Jersey for a minute. But he I mean, he never got to like a star level. And obviously, Kid was a key part of that championship. So, I mean, it worked out okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Donnie. Sorry, Cubes. Sorry for doubting you. But, yeah, I remember like that 06 series against the Spurs. Devin Harris was the guy where I was like, man, the Mavs have a real dude here. And Devin, like, I, I was hype about Devin that year. Um, Do you have – matter of fact, tell me, what is Dirk's greatest rival? Is it Garnett? Is it Duncan? Is it Weber? Is, you know, is it – Somebody from that era, Dirk Nowitzki's greatest rival is who? 
Uh, I, I would say it's Duncan or Wade. But, like, the thing with, like, Wade is, like, Wade and LeBron Wade, – Wade talked a lot of talk always. I mean, he was always that guy. People who hate Harden now, it kills me that they don't hate Wade because I'm like, Wade was, like, every bit the flopper Harden is now in his prime. Like, Wade was an insane flop artist. Tell Like, hella talented, talented athlete. Could jump out of the gym, but, man, he flopped so hard. So I think, like, Wade and Dirk, Wade was easy to dislike as a Mavs fan with how things went in that finals. And they, like, they, I think even today there was something about them. Like, at times their relationship was not great, but now that they're old-timer legends, they're, like, cool. But, you know, there was some legitimate animosity between Miami and Dallas in the two finals. Dirk and, and Duncan had many, many battles and, like, many memorable moments, but they were both just so nice. You know, like Dirk and Duncan just, you never saw them talking trash. You never saw one of them shove another one. Like there was no, there was never, there was no theater. There was no drama. So like, while they were good rivals, I can tell you as a Dallas fan, the two players I hated most coming up were Tony Parker, who drove me nuts. Like everything Tony Parker did just drove me crazy. Had me on the television and, and Dwayne Wade. (laughs) I mean, I, I kind of get it, you know, Tony Parker. You know, I was surprised you wouldn't say Ginobili. I'm surprised about that. D Wade, I get. As far no, as man, the difference the difference between Manu and, and Tony was like Manu was nice and and he, like nice on the court, and he was like a nice dude off the court. Mm-hmm. Like Tony was like cocky. He was the the type of player who like he would celebrate a little too long for if you're on the other team. He'd give those like stupid little looks at the refs and other players and like he, he that, Tony Parker was like a pinball too, man. Like he would just run, he would do like three circles around Dirk in a pick and roll before laying it up and you'd be like, "Man, so yep. I, I I was like Charles Barkley during those days like, hit him. Someone's <laughs> going to give him a heart foul. Hit him." You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I look at Dirk and his time there, twenty years. You know, Tom. Tom goes so fast, and trying to figure out his rival. I think it has to be Duncan, Duncan Garnett, Wade. I, I mean, at his position, I think Duncan and and Garnett. Um, those battles in that time frame, man, with the power forwards, and you know, you could throw in Weber and Rashid and you know Zach Randolph and everything. But when it came down to to it, man, the top power forwards. Of that time, of that era, had to be Dirk and had to be Garnett, had to be Duncan. Um, I was always a big C-Web fan. I think he still goes under the radar a little bit, gets a little overlooked. But that time, friend, man, Dirk was just phenomenal. And are you a fan of curly-haired Dirk or Logan Caesar Dirk? <laughs> Uh, cur- curly Dirk, cur- MVP, <laughs> Curly Dirk, and uh, headband, headband, curls. Dirk oh, was man. was good times, man. Good times. Um, hey Josh, man, listen, man. You know, before I let you go, last question I got I got to ask you is, um, you know, you told me you all the way, all the way, all the way up in, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and you're a math fan, but how, how, you know, now one day has gone by, and you said, man, how come I'm not a Raptor fan or was it? Vancouver Grizzly fan. Yeah, you know what, man? Like, if my mom had brought me home any other shirt, I would probably be a fan of that team. But it was just the, it was the perfect storm, man. Cuban took over that team. They started to get good. I played post when I was younger, and I really loved Durst's game. I was like, I want to shoot threes, even though I'm the big man on the team. You know, there's just a million reasons I stuck with them. And it's funny, though, because when people, like, hate my articles, I remember when I started at Dime. I wrote a piece about, you know, the top 10 seasons, something, something or another. I didn't have a Kobe season in there. And I was getting like hate mail and death threats from Kobe fans wow. back in the day when there was like 
comments, right? And they were like, just watch the Raptors and shut the hell up, you stupid Canadian. And I'd be like, I don't even care about the Raptors. Since Vince Carter <laughs> left, I don't care about them at all. Uh-huh. Like, I'm not rooting for TJ Ford. Come on. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think for me as a fan, I, just a, you know, Memphis Grizzlies sounds cool, but Vancouver, man, they they had that logo, they had that those colors, they had those uniforms, man. I know it was it was, it was crazy cold up there to go to a game, but uh, it, it would be cool to see Memphis kind of recognize Vancouver, the franchise, um, with some uniforms, with some logos. I know they've been around for quite some time, maybe ninety, what ninety five? They came in ninety six with, with with Toronto, right? Uh, yeah, they did, man. They came in together as expansion teams. And, like, Ma- Vancouver's pretty close to Calgary. Like, geographically, people are on the radio be like, oh, Calgary, where's Calgary? Is that, is that close to Toronto? And I'll be like, uh, no. Yeah, that's not, not <laughs> You know, and, the like, the side. two closest markets to me were Seattle and Vancouver, mm-hmm. and they both got undone in rather unfair fashion. But I think Steve Francis really killed any chance that, like, I might have had of being a Grizzlies fan. Like, Sharif was nice, but, like, Francis scorning that franchise and, mm. and then folding really, really hurt them. Like, I mean, but you, you know, you got Big Country, Mike Bibby. It was, it was, you know, then you got White Chocolate. It was, then <laughs> no, yeah, Pagasol was in Memphis. Okay, so it wasn't Vancouver, but still, you got Bibby and Big Country, and it was a little wave. Uh, Michael Dickerson, nice little roster you had up there. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the thing, man. It wasn't the thing. Like the Raptors were in such a like a more prominent market. And the other yeah. thing is too, like we could do a whole other pod about like how the sport is covered and received. But in Canada, man, like God bless Vince Carter for this. Like I've said this before, but Vince Carter means more to Canadian basketball fandom than Steve Nash. When when Carter didn't dunk, you just didn't get a basketball highlight on the major networks like Sportsnet and TSN. There was just not a single moment of basketball coverage unless Vince Carter did something nasty. And thank the Lord he did nasty stuff all the time when he was in the with the Raptors. But man, like they weren't putting big country on on the highlights. Like Sharif, <laughs> nah. I mean, nice players, <laughs> but they just they just didn't they just didn't sell. If Steve Francis stayed and played and was the player that he was early on, I mean, that might be a different situation. Yeah, man, but that might be Vancouver Grizzly uniform of fire. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it fire, was nice. Man. I still got, I still got the teal turquoise snapback. Yeah, in in, in the room, man. Dope, man. Hopefully, uh, one day Memphis can recognize Vancouver, wear the uniforms, do a little throwback night. Um, that'll be dope, man. But Josh, always uh, appreciate you giving me the time of day to come on the show whenever you want to come back on and have some, you know, different topics to talk about. We'll get you on. Again, you can follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Eberly, J-O-S-H-E-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Great work for Hoop Magazine and the whole, uh, for NBA Canada and the host of the Hot Takes and Shot Takes. Shot Fakes. Oh, my God. I keep forgetting to. <laughs> Hot Takes, Shot Fakes podcast. So those who want to check it out, how, how and where can they find it? Yeah, man, just hit me up. I'm you know, on all social media at Josh Everly. My stuff's on hoop, uh, hoop.mba.com, NBA Canada. Uh, you know, I try to be active on social media. If you hit me up, I'll hit you back. Appreciate it. No doubt, Josh. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Cheers. All right.